Um, hold on. Let me smack my dog's ass. Welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine, and I'm here with John. Hey, John. Hello. Okay, it's my turn, and I picked a story that came up in fiction group that I recently started here in Ohio, mimicked after the illustrious <laughs> Naples Writers Workshop. And uh, we were talking about Flowers for Algernon by Daniel Keyes. And I was like, didn't everyone read this in school? Like middle school. I remember reading it in a textbook. You hadn't read this one, right? I had not read this one. Yeah. So I don't know what they're teaching kids in Florida. (laughs) Where did you grow up? Grow up? Florida? Um, Wisconsin, Illinois, Florida. That's right. Okay. Mostly Florida. Mostly Florida. Yeah. Well, in Ohio, it was required reading. And I kind of wondered, like I do with all required reading, like what the story might be like as an adult. Because the other one we were talking about was The Lottery. And that one I read as a very adult story. I mean, like, it's scary. Anyway, I'm going to read two sections from this. It's told in a series of progress reports that are first person, basically diary entries. And I'm going to read two that don't happen back to back. Progress report for March 8th. They're going to use me. I'm so excited I can hardly write. Dr. Niemer and Dr. Strauss had an argument about it first. Dr. Niemer was in the office when Dr. Strauss brought me in. Dr. Niemer was worried about using me, but Dr. Strauss told him Miss Kinnian recommended me the best from all the people who she was teaching. I like Miss Kinnian because she's a very smart teacher, and she said, Charlie, you're going to have a second chance. If you volunteer for this experiment, you might get smart. They don't know if it will be permanent, but there's a chance. That's why I said okay, even when I was scared, because she said it was an operation. She said, don't be scared, Charlie. You've done so much with so little, I think you deserve it most of all. So I got scared when Dr. Niemer and Dr. Strauss argued about it. Dr. Strauss said that I had something that was very good. He said I had a good motivation. I never even knew I had that. I felt proud when he said that not everybody with an IQ of 68 had that thing. I don't know what it is or where I got it, but he said Algernon had it too. Algernon's motivation is the cheese they put in his box, but it can't be that because I did not eat any cheese this week. Then he told Dr. Niemer something I didn't understand. So while they were talking, I wrote down some of the words. He said, Dr. Niemer, I know Charlie is not what you had in mind as the first of your new breed of intellect. Couldn't get the word. Superman. But most people of his low meant are host and uncoop, and they usually dull a path and hard to reach. He has a good nature. He's interested and eager to please. Dr. Niemer said, remember, he will be the first human being ever to have his intelligence tripled by surgical means. Dr. Strauss said, exactly. Look at how well he's learned to read and write for his low mental age. It's as great an achievement as you and I learning Einstein's theory of Viti without help. That shows the intense motivation. It's Comparit and Tremend achieve. I say we use Charlie. I didn't get all the words and they were talking too fast, but it sounded like Dr. Strauss was on my side and like the other one wasn't. Then Dr. Niemer nodded. He said, all right, maybe you're right. We will use Charlie. When he said that, I got so excited. I jumped up and shook his hand for being so good to me. I told him, thank you, doc. You won't be sorry for giving me a second chance. And I mean it like I told him. After the operation, I'm going to try to be smart. I'm going to try awful hard. May 18th. I am very disturbed. I saw Miss Kinnian last night for the first time in over a week. I tried to avoid all discussions of intellectual concepts and to keep the conversation on a simple, everyday level, but she just stared at me blankly and asked me what I meant about the mathematical variance equivalent in Doberman's Fifth Concerto. When I tried to explain, she stopped me and laughed. I guess I got angry, but I suspect I'm approaching her on the wrong level. No matter what I try to discuss with her, I'm unable to communicate. I must review Verstraat's equations on levels of semantic progression. I find that I don't communicate with people much anymore. Thank God for books and music and things I can think about. I'm alone in my apartment at Miss Flynn's boarding house most of the time and seldom speak to anyone. 
Yeah, unless you see this story written, you won't necessarily know that not only is the first section that I read written from a, you know, a simpler perspective and point of view and intellect, but it's also everything, like you said, is spelled pretty phonetically or just kind of like there's an attempt at it being spelled, but it's spelled just like wildly incorrectly, you know? Anyway, so the story, though, is... I had to remind myself what it was about even. I just remembered it being some kind of experiment with a mouse. And it's basically a guy that's been nominated to have his IQ tripled. And they've successfully done it in this mouse, Algernon, who he races against and loses to until he gets as smart as the mouse. <laughs> and <laughs> this then, is great. Yeah, it's so cute. I love the mouse. He doesn't have a whole lot going on in the story, but what he ends up being is like a, a prediction for Charlie. He sees his future play out in this mouse when he starts losing his intellect. And he doesn't just lose his intellect. He ends up dying prematurely. The mouse does. The mouse does. And it starts with like, he gets irritable. He starts losing at the maze. They stop even <laughs> trying to get him to earn his cheese at that point because they're just trying to keep him alive. And so when he realizes that that's going to happen, he like hurries up and writes this like paper anyway i guess after i read this i was like it's got to be the plot and the main theme of like how we treat the disabled the mentally disabled that they wanted to share with us at that age you know oh why you read it in middle school yeah yeah probably something like how do you treat people how do you treat people and like and being able to empathize with someone probably and then i mean but it was also taught in an english class and so like the themes they probably found appropriate but like i'm wondering if they thought of this as a good example of something along the lines of dialect you know or just like the the writing style being one that you can kind of look at and see this is how different characters talk i I honestly do not remember what what was taught and obviously this is like actual photos from a textbook so you can kind of like see (laughs) what they're trying to tell you it's ridiculous this pdf is interesting they're using images from the movie that was based on this story yeah i know and they're like how does this picture of the movie reflect like what can you tell about the story or about the character from this image from the movie like yeah I, which is dumb because you probably which, had to watch the movie and read it like i'm so annoyed i don't i mean obviously i i liked reading it but it annoys me sometimes to read books that are laid out like that because all the extra stuff that was like it distracts from the story like i try to not read it and but you can't help it it's like right. all the underlying words that are defined in the margin i was like i know what these words mean why am i reading the definition one of them was like define literacy and i was like oh yes no literacy. no this is middle school <laughs> Somebody put that in as a joke. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, you know, why it is they would have had us read it. Because this is not, like, a story that I necessarily loved. Not, like, super into it. You know, I, might, I have a theory about why that might be, but... Why I'm not into it? Yeah, I feel like this story is one of those stories that's plot over character. Yeah. It's, like, the character serves... The, like, there's some stories where you can tell the character just serves the plot. The character has yeah. hit these points. Yeah. And there's a little bit of characterization. There's a little bit of emotional journey because it wouldn't be a story without that. But the plot is more important than the character right and i think that this is one of those stories that kind of exemplifies that doesn't make it bad doesn't make it good but it's harder to connect with that kind of character sometimes right and that might be why when you read it you don't feel that kind of like you're not into it as much i could totally buy that and also it took me kind of reading about the story afterwards to appreciate the themes that some of these people claimed it was getting at you know (laughs) and if those were the themes the themes i thought were great i just didn't read this as like an expert 
expertly written story. No offense, Mr. Keys. <laughs> the one thing I thought was expert was the shifting like level of diction and intellect yes. and stuff. Yeah. It reminded me of the Spiderhead story with the verbalus. Yes. I just read like the snippet at the back of this textbook about him having had a couple ideas about this. And then I think I looked on Wikipedia and there was like a couple things that he had like encountered throughout his life that he was curious about. And then this story came about. But it's definitely like sci-fi, essentially, right? Yeah. And that's kind of interesting. But then, it, you know, it has like some of these themes. But one of the themes that, it, that I kind of read about it trying to hint at that I liked and upon like a little further reflection, I'm like, I wish this would have been developed more. And maybe a really good English teacher would pick up on this and make that something that you know going into it or whatever but like like we said charlie triples his intelligence and then loses it steadily kind of rapidly actually over the course of maybe like six or seven months the story is told by these diary entries and as he's when he's at his peak and he knows that his future will be to lose it he's mostly focused on scrambling to write down his conclusion on the research paper which is that no one should fucking do this again because it doesn't work (laughs) which i could have written it just like that yeah but he had to you know make it sound smart and and the last few diary entries, like the last like eighth of the book is kind of him regressing, but there's a level of his recognition of what he's lost. Yes. But like the theme itself that I kept reading about that I really wish I, they would have like almost bashed me over the head with was this like question of whether you can fully enjoy life if you are of a certain intellect, you know? And there's even an argument for the second diary entry that I read where he was too smart. He stopped talking to other people, you know? He, he stopped being able to relate to other people and he was sad or confused at least by that the one section that you read may 18th he said um he was having trouble communicating with uh, miss kinian yeah right so he's like uh i must review Vostat's equations on levels <laughs> of semantic progression like this is how he he intends to yeah to really interact to with yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's extremely out of touch at his brightest levels of semantic progression. Like, is that the the book you would reach for if you wanted to? Like, <laughs> I think it's the um, Dale Carnegie, How to Win. Friends yeah, I was gonna say How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> How, but how to manipulate those closest to you. Yeah. Yeah. So he's having trouble even when he's super bright. So yeah, th- like I said, the theme that, that I was like reading about and kind of reflecting on, I just, I wish there had been more of it because I felt like that was the richest part of the story. It wasn't the idea that like this guy becomes smart. That's like the cool premise. It's really cool. It's a lot of like rational thought, like reason. There's not a lot of emotion in it as far as like emotional journey. This made mm-hmm. me think of, um, this is a long journey, but this made me think of Gulliver's Travels. Book four of Gulliver's Travels is when he goes to the island of the Wynnum and the Yahoos. And then the Yahoos are supposed to represent human beings as emotional kind of like animals. And the Wynnums are these horse-like creatures that are purely naturally rational. There was something about the way that I, when I was reading this and how the increase in IQ that he was undergoing, that, as depicted here, was purely an increase in rational capacity. Yeah. It's like made me think of the Wynnum as because the Wynnum are portrayed as being like these ultimate, like better than Yahoos. And Yahoos are, are human beings. So that when Gulliver gets back to England, he like he can't live with people anymore because they're just animals. <laughs> You know, yeah. he wishes that he could return to the Wynnum um, and their pure rationality. But at the same time, that story undermines rationality as like a metric. It's, you know, it's um, Jonathan Swift. He's always doing satire and it's really interesting what he does. 
So this story made me think of that because the way in which the increase in IQ is portrayed is through rationality. I don't have a big point to make, but I just that connection occurred to me as I was reading it. Yeah. Parts of this, you could kind of draw similarities with stories that, you know, are about Alzheimer's and things like that, too. You know? Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. You're, you're like kind of aware of this like slow decline. And but and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's terrifying and sad because on some level, you just can't end up relating to people. We've talked in the past about like stories told through letters or through journal entries, whatever, and how it's a lot harder than you think, right? You, you think to yourself, like, I'm going to start telling stories this way. And then it's like, it gets either repetitive or you realize you have to like tell the reader things in ways that you would take for granted in another format. There's little moments like uh, Dr. Doctor So-and-so told me that I should include more details about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a, a, an excuse to paint a scene. You know, Yeah, like, Daniel Keyes is like... My editor emailed and said, or my editor <laughs> wrote by snail mail and said I needed to. Yeah, so I, I thought it was a good, it's a good example of that. But I think probably the best example is, is stuff that, again, I don't have answers for. But the two progress reports that I read are some of the starkest difference in his level of intelligence. So it's before he's accepted for the operation. And then it's almost at the height of his intelligence where he's unable now to relate to the teacher that was teaching him at his lowest intelligence. So you can see, especially in the page when you, you realize he's spelling everything correctly and using punctuation even. So that's like a really stark difference. We could all probably achieve that, you know, write a character that's not super smart. Now write that same character a lot smarter and you'd, you'd nail all those things. But he did. He I think he did it pretty deftly the the progression because there's so many journal entries in between and there's something too like that I thought was just so well done and his level of his self-awareness even right he suddenly is saying like you know I don't think anything's working nothing's working I don't, I don't feel any any dumber or smarter I feel the same but there's like certain things that you're reading and it becomes easier to read it becomes smoother and smoother and smoother and it's like it's so hard to like articulate which journal entry like did it where you can tell that the surgery had an effect and I imagine for for Daniel Keyes, that was the fun of this story, was to see how much he could, you know, make that progression, like, feel natural. I think he probably did a lot of editing, more than I probably give him credit for on that front. More than you give him credit for? A little bit, because I read this and I'm like, how long does this take you? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I this kind of leads to my takeaway. But what I like I said before, this feels more like it's plot driven than yeah, character exactly. driven. And there's and I talked before about rationality versus emotion. There's not a lot of emotion in here. You know, there's a little bit, you know, he feels some of his reaction to what's happening to him is emotional. And it's kind of like surface level emotion for his feelings about the teacher, yeah. um, Miss Miss Kinian. But this was turned into a novel and a movie. And so I yes. I really <laughs> wonder where it was expanded and i'm my guess would be that the expansion happened with the character's emotions like there was more stuff about stuff that impacted him and things for him to feel about in the world as he's going through this experience that feels to me like the natural place to expand it because this is you know a classic science fiction story i think it first appeared in uh, the magazine of fantasy and science fiction it won a hugo prize it won a hugo Right. Can you imagine like classic like 1950s science fiction is yeah. it's kind of purely the idea story thing where you have an idea for usually a plot and like a thing that you want to kind of play with. Like, what if this guy could somehow figure out how to get really smart? He wasn't smart before. 
and now they're going to do surgery, make him really smart. What would happen? You kind of play that out. And, you know, there's all versions of this in in science fiction at the time. Like, what if we took a rocket to Mars? You know, this kind of stuff. (laughs) But those are, they're plot driven. So they're not necessarily focused on the character and the character's journey. It's mostly the character serves the plot. And that's why I talked about that before. This feels a lot like that. So when you're expanding it into the novel, like a natural place to expand would be to find out more about the character, right? right? And then you bring in other characters, you bring in other situations that really kind of push the character into becoming more and more real. More, and, and part of that would be finding the emotions. So I guess my takeaway was going to be to notice that this story is plot driven and focuses more on rationality than on emotion. And yeah. that I think really good fiction needs more character and more emotion. <laughs> Right. So that like if, if this were a workshop story, my advice would be bring in more emotion to it. Make sure to flesh out the character more. Yeah, because I mean, it's probably a good guess because if you if you think about the reverse, like if this was originally a novel and you had to condense it down to a short story, you would. Yeah, what's the key idea? Yeah, you would cut out all of the fluff and make it about the plot. I read, like I said, the Wikipedia page about this because I knew that it was like the novel and then the the movie. And I kind of wanted to see like what all that was about. But the only thing it kind of does talk about with the novel, and I was kind of disappointed by this, is like the novel introduces like additional plot points related to who he wants to have sex with. I was like, really? This is where we went with this? And then like it talked about how like it gets banned by certain libraries because like they're talking about sex a bunch. I was like, that's where we went with this. Okay. All right. So my uh, my takeaway is based on a false premise. <laughs> this is a personal bias, but I truly remember the mouse having a bigger say in this. That was just such a rich comparison, just a, such a great foil. And we really have only like a couple scenes where it's like, oh no, the mouse isn't eating now. But he goes in there and like plays with the mouse. At one point it bites him. The closest we get to the mouse being, because because like I said, this is this is exploring self-awareness and like the idea that like Charlie's becoming like a sentient creature versus like a dumb janitor. And like the mouse could have learned speech like Mickey. I'm just kidding. But I feel like it could have done something like a little more. This is the section that I was thinking of. April 6th, I beat Algernon. I didn't even know I beat him until Bertha Tester told me. Then the second time I lost because I got so excited I fell off the chair before I finished. But after that, I beat him eight more times. I must be getting smart to beat a smart mouse like Algernon, but I don't feel smarter. I wanted to race Algernon some more, but Bert said that's enough for one day. They let me hold him for a minute. He's not so bad. He's soft like a ball of cotton. He blinks, and when he opens his eyes, they're black and pink on the edges. I just I love that part. I mean, just show me the mouse like this precious little mouse is also undergoing what Charlie's undergoing. He's like killing it in the mazes. And then all of a sudden he can't do it. Back to what we were talking about in our last podcast episode where I had that professor that gave like tangible takeaways that I still remember to this day. One of the other tangible takeaways aside from like varying your sentence structure was to give children and animals more attention in your stories because that can be a way that you really stand out. It doesn't mean that your story has to be about animals. It doesn't mean that you write exclusively about children, but these are often overlooked features. And if you spend a little bit more time, basically what it's doing is like exercising that muscle, right? Where you pay attention to details or you just work a little harder to describe something. Because how many fucking times have you read a story where it's like the dog wagged its tail? Like we we know, we know they do that. They do a lot more than that. All right. Thanks guys. If you enjoyed this episode, consider joining our Patreon. Your support helps us keep the show running. Find out more at patreon.com slash podcast. And for industry news, writing tips, and great short fiction, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Naples Writers Workshop.
You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter at NaplesWritersWorkshop.com.